What is up, everyone? And welcome back. Show about sports, new year, new episode. This is the second episode of the year. Excited to get back into things here as I'm trying to record more, as you've seen on threads. For everyone that follows me there, if you haven't followed me on threads, Griffin underscore proc is the place to be. Please give it a follow if you want to follow along for all my hot takes. I'm just your average 20-something guy that you know wants to talk about sports for a living. And so I have some opinions that I want to share, and that's what I'm doing. Like today. Today we are talking NFL preview for the playoffs. Wildcard weekend is upon us here. And let me tell you, it's kind of a weird slate we have. It's you can go either way with any matchup. And I don't feel like in years past it's been that way, but I haven't been connected enough or commenting enough to really have that viewpoint. So let me know if if I'm having that kind of sense and it's kind of true in that nature. But I'm going to be going through each of the games, giving kind of my five or six takeaways that I think are going to be big keys to the game, kind of topics people aren't covering, maybe in the media and stuff that I'm kind of seeing on my own end. Plus, I'm going to give my predictions for how I think it's going to go, and it's just going to be a fun episode. I'm going to try to get it done quick so you don't have to stay on the line for too long. So for anyone that listens to the whole thing, appreciate you as always. And again, please like, comment, subscribe, share, whatever you're supposed to say, as all influencers do. I'm not even an influencer. That was the weirdest word to say that just came out of my mouth. I'm just commenting on sports here. So shout out to all you guys for all the support. I really appreciate it. And let's not waste any more time and let's jump into things. All right, we're going to kick it off with the NFC. We're doing that because I'm a Seahawks fan, as some of you might know. So I'm more in favor of the NFC. Again, there's no rhyme or reason to it. That's just where I started my notes, actually, to be fully truthful with you guys. So let's kick it off with the Dallas versus Packers matchup. This will be held in Dallas uh, coming up here. So let's go through it. I essentially took a note on five things that I think are really important, sometimes six for some of these games. And I'm just going to go through it and kind of give you my opinion on it off the top of my head. So here we go. First note I took was Dak has the most passing touchdowns in 2023 with 36 touchdowns. And the Cowboys are 8-0 at home. I think both of those stats are super important. First of all, this game is in Dallas. So that's exactly what they want. They've never lost in front of their fans. If you're a season ticket holder, this might be the first time in a long time you have not seen your team lose at home. And I I can only imagine what that feels like to go to those games like that. And second of all, this has been Dak's best season since his rookie or sophomore year. He has been under scrutiny year after year for his performances whether rightfully so or not, there's obviously been a lot of call outs about the schematics and the coaching and the weapons around him. But this year he put those silence, he put those doubters to a little bit of a silence. And what's really going to have to be important is actually winning in the playoffs because you can do it in the regular season. You can get MVP nods in the regular season, but if you can't pull it through at the end, it's just not going to bear well. So I think it's really NFC championship or bust for the Cowboys. And essentially, if they can win a Super Bowl as well, that would be even better. But I think that is an important part to this game. Dak is playing the best he's playing, and the Cowboys are playing the best they're playing against teams at home. So I give the nod a little bit to Dallas to kick it off there. But my second bullet is Jordan Love has the second most touchdown passes in 2023 with 32 touchdowns. And he's kind of coming in what people have been calling a heater. Essentially, he's been playing out of his mind recently. The offense has done nothing but found its legs, both running and passing. You can see a lot of creative play calling, not asking Jordan Love to do too much. But when there's an open seam across the middle of the field, he's making those plays. 
you can't even name half their players on their team because they don't have that standout star other than Aaron Jones. But Jaden Reed, it's going to be super important. And guess why I know he's going to be super important because he's been on my fantasy team this year, helped me win a championship. So Jordan Love has found a groove with his young wide receivers. This is going to be really important, and they're going to be playing loose because guess who has the pressure in this game? The Cowboys. The Packers were not supposed to be here. Everyone wrote off Jordan Love. They said he was not good. They saw one or two practice clips and were like, eh, or he came in and backed up Aaron Rodgers and were like, eh. Quarterbacking is all about momentum and truly having the keys, and he finally has that. And as you can see, he can sling the ball. So... He's going to be playing loose. He's just happy to be there. He's going to help the Packers go, but they're going to need some help from their defense if they want to pull this off. That goes into my third point. Bad Packers defense versus good Cowboys offense. And you can kind of not really flip it the other way, but let's stay on this for a minute. The Packers don't have a bad defense because you hear the names on their team and you're like, oh my gosh, that's a great team. You hear especially the front guy, front guys with Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, and you think that's a good unit. But unfortunately, they haven't been getting to the quarterback enough. They've been able to kind of stop the run, but they've just found themselves as an average defense. So the Cowboys coming in 8-0 at, at home had at one point the most proficient offense or efficient offense in the NFL, I think is very important to this game. So like we do in the playoffs, it's winner go home. So you never know. The Packers might show up. It's indoors, might get, like get the juices flowing a little bit. They're not playing outside in the freezing cold in Green Bay. So I think this will be a big point of emphasis and will be a point of emphasis for most teams that have quote-unquote bad defenses in terms of playoff standards. So we'll see what happens there. Now my fourth bullet here is Packers could exploit the DBs that are very big play focus, specifically Bland and Gilmore. Obviously the Cowboys have the interception leader of for a single season in Bland, and they have Gilmore who's an aging vet but still knows how to make plays. But as we see with DBs, when they get older, they kind of focus on big play ability. We even saw this with Jalen Ramsey on the Dolphins who has come back after an injury and has the most interceptions on their team because he's making aggressive plays interceptions is so hard to judge you want to see you want to hear that high number and be like this is a good db but unfortunately that's not the only metric that's almost telling us that they're throwing their way a little too much you don't hear other players like the sauce gardeners of the nfl getting a ton of ints because quarterbacks are just not throwing their way now, Bland is great. Don't get me wrong. He's been making these interceptions. He's been making good plays, but he's also been getting burned, kind of like the Trayvon Diggs of last year. Unfortunately, he's hurt as well for the Cowboys and has been out for some time, so they've been able to adjust. But you see what I mean? They're very big play focused. So the Packers could exploit that because they're very focused on getting the ball to their wide receivers and letting them cook. They are not as focused on the deep ball, big shots, or big across the middles. They will get their wide receivers the ball or Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon within the flat five to ten years, five to ten yards ahead of them and let them cook. So I'm really interested to see how the DBs play for the Cowboys because it's kind of their most exploitable part of their defense. Their D-line is great. The middle of the field's okay. But their DBs either are boom or bust. It, that's really how it is. And in a shootout, I almost give the nods to the Packers right now because of the less pressure that they have than having to make Dak become this like game-winning drive quarterback, which I don't think he succeeded in a ton 
in the past. So that's just the point there. Now, this is my final point is essentially both teams are going to need to be balanced to win this game. In playoff games, you can't rely on one thing. You can't just be an air raid offense and you can't just ground and pound. There's not enough time to keep it on the ground. So if both teams want to be successful, they're going to have to use Aaron Jones and Tony Pollard in the backfield. Tony Pollard, unfortunately, hasn't made, taken that huge step we all expected him to do, but he's been getting yards per carry touchdowns other metrics like that are hard to do but he's on the smaller side so he tends to get brought down a lot easier but Aaron Jones on the other side is the same thing but for whatever reason he's able to stay on his feet a little bit more more balanced there and they have AJ Dillon to kind of take that workload of the ram through the middle power back there so like you'll hear with most games balance play is going to be super important for both of these teams with that being said my nod is going to the Cowboys in this game. I think they take it at home, continue that home win streak of 8-0, make it 9-0, and head to the next round. All right, that's the first game in the NFC. The second game probably is one of the best storylines in the entire playoffs is the Lions versus the Rams at Lions in Detroit, which means Matthew Stafford, former Longtime Lions quarterback is headed back to not only play a regular season game, but a playoff game for the first time um, since leaving the team two years ago. So I say leaving the team. There was a trade. It was between Goff and Stafford. So my first note is this Stafford coming back to Detroit and Jared Goff playing former team. Now, that is a big storyline. It really that when I hear stuff like that, I hear veteran leadership is going to lead the day. Stafford does have that leg up on Jared Goff, who is in his own right a veteran at this point, but Stafford's been in the bigger moments and won the bigger moments more times. Another stat that's going to make you feel better about Stafford and the Rams is they've won seven out of their last eight. They came into the season with little expectations and shot everybody in the foot by beating anybody in their path, especially late, playoff teams included. So if I had to pick a team that I don't want to play, sort of like the Tennessee Titans were when we talked at the beginning of the season, and if you're a Jags fan, that's how it came to fruition. Didn't want to see the Titans in the last week because they're still going to play hard. The Rams are the NFC version of that. I don't want to see them. I'm a Seahawks fan. I saw them twice, and they kicked our booty both times. So I'm going to give the nod to Stafford in a head-to-head when it comes to Stafford versus Goff just because of that veteranness and the way that they've been finishing out the year. Now, my second bullet point is Detroit has a bad pass defense and Rams have a good pass offense and weapons. I mean, Puka and Cooper, Cooper Cup, and then Kieran Williams, I might be pronouncing his name wrong, but the running back Williams that's a three-headed monster right there. They got the rookie leader in Puka who came out of nowhere. Cooper Cup is still Cooper Cup and will light you up for 200 yards a game just like a Tyreek Hill will. But a lot of attention goes to him and Puka's been able to hold up his end of a bargain as a number two option. So when you have a bad pass defense like Detroit Lions do, I tend to lean into the favor of the Rams who will have such a balanced play action heavy offense that can go into RPOs where they're going to be able to decide on a dime whether they're going to be more run or pass focused. So when you hear that bullet point, just remember that, that if you see the Rams kind of airing it out and it's working, just remember Detroit was not didn't get to their position because of their great pass defense. It was because of the great boys up front. Now, 
the next bullet point I have is Kieran Williams talking about him being the X factor in this game and no Laporta, no Sam Laporta for the Lions. So both teams X factors are so important to their success. And Kieran Williams has single-handedly hurt every single running back argument that we had in the postseason or in the preseason talking about how they should get paid more. Well, players like him and Jerome Ford who came in for the Browns, I'll talk about him in a little bit. They are showing that there are so many running backs out there that can, once given the chance, can take advantage, and he is one of them. So if he can get going on the ground, leading to their up front, front seven, not being able to stop him, their back end is not going to do as well in terms of the secondary. And no Sam Laporta, a.k.a. almost rookie of the year, for Jared Goff to throw to. Now they still have Reynolds, and they still have Brown in the back in terms of wide receivers. And they're more of a run-first, set-up-the-pass throw team because they have Jameer Gibbs, who can catch, and David Montgomery, also on my fantasy team. Shout out him. So I don't want to underestimate that injury, though, as I know it's a classic next man up, but I don't even know the next man up. And I didn't, I didn't want to look it up on purpose because I didn't want to sound like I knew who it was. That's the point I'm trying to make. He was Sam Laporta was that important as in terms of their next up. So... X factors in this game, big playability from those two, not known as the star guys, are going to have to play big and someone's going to have to step up for Sam Laporta. Now, like I kind of alluded to in that other point, my last point on this game are both teams rely on rush offense to set up their pass, more so the Lions and the Rams because Sean McVay is a very creative play caller. So things that might look like plays, run plays, turn into RPOs real quick, and then they get wide receiver screens out to Puka or Cooper Cup on the side. But the Lions, like, blood and DNA is hard-nosed football. David Montgomery, that's why he's there. He can run between the tackles, and then they can get Gibbs on the outside to kind of break away for some speed. If they want to pull the Rams secondary up, get into more press coverage, especially the safeties, get something over the top, which they like to do, they're going to have to execute a run game. There's no way you're going to bring someone down so Amari St. Brown can get open in the secondary like you see every week. I swear you see a new highlight of him just getting open in the secondary, and it's because they figured out the run. There are some games I would be following David Montgomery getting 20, 25 touches on top of Jameer Gibbs's 10 to 15 running touches as well. They are a very run-heavy team, and they can because of their offensive line being so good. So that's going to be a big X factor for the Lions. Now, you might have been kind of subtly hearing where I was going with this, and essentially, I'm not taking the favorites in this game. I don't know if the, and when I say favorites, I mean the better-ranked team, the Lions. I'm taking the Rams. I if it, the Rams could have been playing the Cowboys, and I feel like I would have taken the Rams. The Rams feel like the hottest team coming into the NFC that's not named the 49ers. And it's just, that's how the Northwest division has been for a long time. So I'm taking the Rams on this one. I'm taking, even though, and just a big point of this is this is the first Lions playoff game in a long time. It's the first Dan Campbell game. They're a very emotional team. And I think the Rams have been here before they have the veterans. And so I just think under pressure, they're going to play a lot smoother and not with as much urgency because they know how it goes. So taking the Rams in that one. Okay. NFC last game. 
And kind of the weirdest game, I think, is how we would describe this one, is the Eagles versus the Buccaneers. And they're playing in Tampa, so home field for the Buccaneers. Here is my first note. Eagles have lost the last have have lost five of the last six, and the Buccaneers have won five of the last six. Now, I swear Philadelphia's kind of got the curse of the big dom. Remember when he their security, chief security officer kind of got into a alterca- not even an altercation on the sideline uh with the 49ers. I feel like from that game on, they've just not been the same. And the numbers kind of equal that they've lost the last five of six they did not I like to throw out week 18 I don't like to take too much from that as I'm going to talk positively about the Buccaneers even though they didn't look good I just the prior games to that did not look good either for the Eagles and they're super banged up and I think this is kind of a Buccaneers come in like we were doubted all year shout out to my brother because he was the only one on that it was kind of like the Seahawks last year when everyone was like they're gonna get the first pick they're gonna get a new quarterback blah 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 the Buccaneers are this year's Seattle Seahawks where they proved everyone wrong in a weak NFC division where they could and a weak NFC in general as we're seeing with these teams scraping by to get in so the Buccaneers are coming in with this Baker Mayfield energy which is just We're here. We're underdogs. Why not us? Our defense is good. Our offense still has Mike Evans, who's producing Chris Godwin, Rashad White, who's coming out of nowhere. A lot of people doubted. They've been doubted. So they're at home versus an Eagles team that almost feels like, let's just get this season over with. I mean, what are we doing now? They don't know about their head coach. Jalen Hurts, his finger was like bent backwards. He's wearing two gloves in practice today. I don't know how that helps. (laughs) with that um maybe to grip the ball a little bit aj brown's a little dinged up Devontae smith is dinged up dallas goddard i mean he's been kind of in and out all week deandre swift didn't play last week but they're gonna really need to rely on someone healthy so as much as i love the eagles and they're kind of like a team you want to root for after last year's so close to winning it all and you just you like the people on their team all players that were doubted i just feel like I, I just feel like the Band-Aid needs to get ripped off. So if there's going to be a proverbial upset, even though the Buccaneers are the higher-rated team, I would pick the Buccaneers over the Eagles in this kind of situation. But let me go into some more things to also go off of that point. So the Eagles haven't scored 20 points three of their last five games. I'm sorry, but the NFL requires you to score more than 20 points almost every single game. I know there's some bad teams out there. We can all be like, well, the Panthers don't do it. Well, the Panthers are drafting first overall every other year, and this year they gave it to the Bears. You can't be telling me the the Super Bowl hangover Eagles aren't scoring 20 points every week. They were a well-oiled machine, run and pass, for all of last year and most of this year till the second half of the season. That scares me completely. Some might say they're a sleeping giant. Sleeping giant's a great word. I think Sleeping Giant should have woken up by now as we've lost five of the last six, but that's my opinion on Sleeping Giants. Now, I already touched on this a little bit, but the health of the weapons for uh, the Eagles are super important. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, both dealing with leg injuries. If either one of them isn't full health, it's just not it's not going to go well. I don't I don't know their other weapons. I don't know who's going to fill that gap and their defense hasn't been proving to be able to hold up to keep them to be able to battle and shoot out like games. So, 
health is super important for the Eagles. My next bullet point is the Buccaneers feel like they have that underdog feeling and the Eagles just feel like the season's over. I already kind of covered this at the beginning. Clearly, I wanted to talk about this game the most because I'm just not even following my notes in the right order. But you get the gist there. Another and final bullet point on this game is the Bucks won their first matchup against this. They have that mental edge. Many people say it's hard to beat a team twice, but there's been enough time in between. It's a whole different outlook in terms of injuries on both sides, and the Buccaneers did not expect to be here, and I think this is one of those teams that can take advantage of it, and I feel like Baker Mayfield's up for the challenge, as crazy as that sounds, and to have said that at the beginning of the season felt crazy, but I feel like he has what it takes to go toe-to-toe with Jalen Hurts, who's been off of his game, and they both have equally great weapons on offense, and one defense is playing better than the others, and that's the Buccaneers' defense is playing better than the Eagles' defense. So I'm taking the Buccaneers in this game. So to recap the NFC, the 49ers have a bye this week. Don't forget about them. They're the only team I'm confident about in the NFC overall. But I'm taking the Cowboys over the Packers, the the Rams over the Lions, and taking the Buccaneers over the Eagles. I My notes are so funny. I wrote down taking the Lions over the Rams right before this. I don't know why I did that. I think it was just an innate sense that I want to believe in the Lions. So if I could pick a team that I want to win the most is the Lions because I appreciate a fan base that has gone through hell and back to try to get to this position. And I shout out Jared Goff, shout out Dan Campbell and all of them. But I still got to go with the Rams as I've seen a lot more of them this year. And um, they're they're coming in hot. So those are my NFC picks, and that's kind of my analysis. I hope you appreciated that analysis. Before I go into the AFC here, I'll take a little break, drink some water, and I'll be right back, all right? Okay, we're back. AFC time. The AFC, man. Like I've been saying, it's going to be a narrative all week. These games are weird. I don't know how to really feel about any one team. It's hard to convince me of any one way been super fun on threads to discuss this with people as I put out my predictions earlier um so we're gonna figure out what's going on here in the AFC and I'm gonna try to make you or help you make sense of all the chaos here let's start with the most anticipated matchup I think of the ASC and that is the Chiefs versus the Dolphins in Kansas City or as some are going to be calling it the ice bowl because it's going to be below zero degrees okay that's my first bullet Weather's going to be an issue, especially for the Lions. And I said the Lions. Speaking of NFC, I meant the Dolphins. So why is this going to be an issue? Well, the Dolphins just so happen to play in the warmest part of America all year. And now they have to go to Kansas City and play in the coldest part of the country right now. So I give the advantage to Kansas City when it comes to weather being a factor. Patrick Mahomes and that whole roster has been here before not only this year but in years past playing many ice bowls many cold games the good thing though is it sounds like it's just going to be cold I don't know if snow is going to be an entire factor I don't know if wind is going to be an entire factor so if wind is a factor that's going to hurt the Dolphins more than it's going to hurt the Chiefs because the Dolphins really rely on these creative throwing lanes for Tua they're tight throwing lanes it's not get people open wide across the field they rely on going downfield the Chiefs 
don't rely on going downfield as much. They're more of a dink and dunk kind of offense, and so they can pass shorter passes where wind might not be as a factor, but it's sounding like wind won't even be a factor, so let's not get into that. But it's going to be cold nevertheless, so it'll be hard to grip the ball and hold on to the ball. But these these guys get warmed up. There'll be heaters on the sidelines. I don't know how much cold really plays a factor. I think most players and athletes will say it doesn't matter as much as you think, but man. It's like 30 degrees here in Seattle and it's cold. So I can only imagine 30 less degrees than what it is now. So weather's going to be an issue, I think, more for the Dolphins. Now, my next stat is the rushing stats. The Dolphins are facing the 28th ranked yards per carry Kansas City Chief defense. Everyone's been talking positively about the Kansas City defense, and that is rightfully so. They have a really good secondary, but their front seven slash mostly middle linebacker, like linebacker section, are not very good about yards about the carry. And guess who loves to run the ball? The Miami Dolphins. Mostert's coming off being a little bit banged up, though, and uh, A-Chan hasn't really delivered like he did at the beginning of the year where everyone was crowning him the next best thing. But... I would not be surprised if they cook up a good run game with their great offensive line. We'll have to see if that can really build onto something. You can't, I don't see the Dolphins being able to win in just a run straight type of game because they've never been that. They're super creative and get and need a lot of passes to win a game is on top of that. So I'm interested to see with the bad Kansas City front seven versus the Dolphins great run attack what happens and what can what can the Chiefs do with uh, Pacheco in the back end who runs a million miles per hour straight into your face they're going to be running the ball pretty efficiently on their sides with Clyde Edwards Hilaire as well so I think both teams are going to rely on the rush game and both don't have very good rush defenses but the Kansas City Chiefs have a little bit worse and so I think the Dolphins will take a little bit of an advantage there But everyone's eyes are going to be on my next bullet point, and that's Tyreek Hill. And mostly, the X factor for this game is going to be Tyreek Hill for the Dolphins and Sneed, the DB, for uh, Kansas City. Sneed is going to be following Tyreek around this field all game, is my guess. He's been following every great wide receiver around all game, every game this year. Now, if we can't really throw the ball very well in this weather... I don't know how much of a factor Tyreek's homecoming is going to be here in KC, and that is best-case scenario for the Chiefs. They want to remove him from the game. I imagine they're going to be doing a lot of wide receiver screens, maybe some end arounds, maybe even a weird wildcat formation with Tyreek to make sure he gets his the ball in his hands because he's that good once he has the ball. But if Snead can lock him, out, lock him up on the outside, there's a good chance there's nowhere else for you know, two would have really go with the ball. They have other weapons, but obviously we're talking about X factors here and Tyreek is super important to their team and their success. Now, my next bullet is if the Chiefs can pass it all, it will help their offense because I know everyone's been making fun of like, who does Patrick Mahomes throw to? Well, these are the games Travis Kelsey tends to come alive and these are the games where Patrick Mahomes will quite literally pull an Aaron Rodgers and only throw to one guy if he has to. That was Devontae Adams for Aaron Rodgers and that's Travis Kelsey for Patrick Mahomes. That's where I see this game kind of going. It's the perfect game because if it's cold, can't really throw it, a little bit of wind, 
don't be surprised if they give Kelsey the ball 15 times in, during that game. And I think that really benefits the Chiefs offense because they need both of their offenses. The Miami Dolphins can really rely on one or the other, specifically their pass game. If it's cooking, they might not need the other. So that is a big call out for me there. Now, these are some injuries that are really important here. The Dolphin, this is my fourth bullet. Dolphins have no starting edge rushers, but middle is locked up due to Sealer and Wilkins. So their two starting edge rushers, Phillips and Chubb, went down with season-ending injuries, so they have both backups on the edge. What's the most important thing in the NFL? Getting pressure. Luckily, Sealer and Wilkins in the middle are up there with the top defensive linemen getting pressure on the quarterback, overall sacks as well. So that really benefits the Dolphins, but the Chiefs' offensive line is really good and stout in the middle. So I don't expect them to be able to get Patrick Mahomes under a lot of pressure without any sort of edge support. So this is going to benefit the Kansas City's uh, offense and Patrick Mahomes having time to find the open man, especially in a game where it's super cold. There's going to be some tight muscles. There's going to be some guys getting off the line a little slow. He's going to be able to let plays develop and get guys the ball across the field, especially fast guys like Rice or Sky Moore. So that is super important for this game as well. And my last bullet point, and this will kind of hint at who I'm picking in this game, are the Dolphins are 1-5 versus teams above 500. I just wanted you to sit with that for a minute because I know it was super fun when the Dolphins were like 4-0. They had just beaten the Denver Broncos 72-30 to or whatever, which is still insane that they gave up however many points they did in that game. But they that's they're not good against good teams and that's a growing pain of a team that's still finding its identity with a new coach and a quarterback they're still trying to figure out they have over succeeded in my book in terms of what their expectations were a lot of people thought I stepped back a lot of people probably saw them as a team that would be more like the chargers in terms of results where they would need to restart maybe at quarterback, other positions on the field as well, defenses getting a little old as we're seeing with some injuries if they were able to get some youth as well. But they took a step forward and they're in the playoffs. So, But they're 1-5 against teams in the playoffs, and they're playing the one playoff guy you don't want to play, and that's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Both of them are going to scheme this game and play it smart and know the presence of the moment more than Tua and Mike McDaniel are going to know it as well. So one in five against teams above 500 is a stat I hate to see. So in good conscience, I cannot vote in favor of the Dolphins for this game. So I'm taking the Chiefs and what will be called the Ice Bowl of the new 20th century. I'm pretty sure it's like the third or fourth coldest game ever recorded or will be. That's just insane. So That is my pick in the first AFC game there. Turning the page. All right, we have the AFC. (laughs) This is a fun matchup. The Browns versus the Texans at Houston. Now, my first bullet says everything that I need to do to set this up. Which over-expectation team do you like more? There was also no Stroud in the last time that these two faced off. So... Literally, that's what this game is. Which team that should not be in this position or is overperforming do you like more? The Browns, who have gone through four or five quarterbacks now, took Joe Flacco off the couch and made him into a superstar again, 
Or do you like C.J. Stroud in the ahead of schedule, as I would call it, Texans, that were able to pick him number two overall last year and number three overall, Will Anderson? They are coming off one, two, three win seasons, like in a row. And so when when I say the phrases like that, I give the nod to the Browns in that aspect. The Browns do have the foundations of a team that is a playoff team. If they had Deshaun Watson, if they had Baker still, even with P.J. Walker at times, they were still a good team. We just didn't know if they had enough to take them to the next level of the playoffs, but we always thought of them as a wildcard team. So Joe Flacco coming in and riding the ship the way it should be is not very surprising, at least to me. But with the Texans, oh man, we didn't even know C.J. Stroud was good if you were to listen to people in the media. They were saying the Ohio State curse is why he was going to be bad. As funny as that sounds, people were legitimately thinking that was going to be an issue. And so for them to have made a jump to have to win a game week 18 to get to the playoffs, as a reminder, they won it, don't get me wrong, but the Colts had a really good chance to. Um, It's just, I think they're ahead of schedule. So let me go into some more stuff to also talk about why I believe that as well. So the Browns pass defense is the highest rated defense. And CJ Stroud did not do well against top tier teams. You'll have seen this all year. Anytime the Texans played a good team. And I kind of want to relate the Browns defense to the Ravens defense as they both are top of the line defenses overall. Shroud did not do well against the Ravens. They don't have a good offensive line. So if Miles Garrett's able to get pressure on the quarterback, or anyone for that matter, along with their DBs just locking up their really injured wide receiver core, I don't see a scenario when there's big plays to be made. So they're going to have to take very long possessions and hopefully get stuff going. But the Browns have literally suffocated defenses suffocated offenses with their anaconda like defensive style well they're just they'll just wear you out you're going to keep struggling but they're going to just wear you out and they'll stay on the field as long as they have to to beat you and that pass defense is so good so any sort of interception is going to be amplified because it's there's just going to be that remembrance of oh that probably wasn't a mistake that was more their defense is so good. So how are we going to game plan that? And that's a whole different mentality for a quarterback and a team to go through than, oh, dang, that just was a, a a fluke play. That doesn't happen. The Browns have proven over and over again on my fantasy team, again, I might add, that their defense is solid. So I think that is a huge factor in this game. Now, my X factors for this game are going to be Emerson and Newsom and Garrett for the Browns, essentially their defense. And then the Texans giving up a ton of sacks, but their X factor is CJ Stroud. In games like these, it really comes down to the quarterback for kind of the proverbial underdog, which is the Texans. Even though they're at home, they're still uh, ranked as underdogs here. So he's going to have to have one of those holy holy cow games. Like, well, that, that was crazy. And I think he has it in him. He's shown us that multiple times, but... The Browns are a different beast on defense. Those three names I just listed are all pro bowlers. Emerson and Newsom are the best duo in the in the secondary. And Garrett is just a TJ Watt 2.0. Like they're just going to get, he's going to get to you no matter what. And they just give up a ton of sacks this year. And I just don't think a scenario where let's say five sacks happen 
That's an effective game for C.J. Stroud. Let's talk about 20 pressures in a game. That's not an effective game for C.J. Stroud. So that is going to be a huge X factor in this game. Now, the next thing, and this is a little bit of a knock against the Browns, is Flacco is a little bit pass happy. He just, he likes throwing the ball. That unfortunately leads to interceptions. Whenever we see a good Flacco game these past couple of games, we're always like, oh man, look at those stats. And then you always kind of forget the interceptions because they win or he throws 400 yards. And I just want that to be kind of a reminder that he can throw mistakes, throw mistakes, throw interceptions. And he did the last time these two faced off in the regular season. So I am not going to let Flacco just fly by and be like, I'm so great because he is a little bit pass happy. So the Browns are going to have to really reel in their passing game to ensure that he's hitting every player. Luckily, he's going to have Amari Cooper back. This was the game that Amari Cooper went off in the in the last game here. He had like 70 fantasy points or something crazy like that. So I'm expecting something similar in that realm of Flacco wanting to throw the ball. My next bullet point is Texans will need rush game to combat the Browns defense. So this is going to fall on Derek Stingley's back. Oh, not Stingley. No, Singletary. Devin Singletary. Yeah, same team, but different. You saw what I did there. DS, yeah, different names. But Singletary got shipped out from Buffalo because they couldn't ever find the effective rushing game. Yes, he's been kind of a little bit more effective here in Houston, but it's not a sure thing. But if they can get past that middle line, middle line part of the field, just the upfront boys, and get some yards to then make it so Shroud can have some windows open to pass, that's going to be crucial. I'm not banking on it, but I'm just calling it out as kind of a key to the game where Stroud can't throw 300 yards and win the game. They need 300 in the air and 100 on the ground to be effective because they need to catch such a good balanced defense off balance. And then we go into the last bullet point here. Based, okay, let's see what this says. Banged up O-line for the Browns. Can the Texas, can the Texans take care with pressure? Sorry, my handwriting sucks. I can't even read my own handwriting. Okay, so the Browns have a banged up O-line. They have some new guys starting on both sides of the line. So can Will Anderson and that team get a hold of the quarterback a little bit more? make Joe Flacco a little more pass happy in terms of letting the ball go before he wants to. I don't know. Will Anderson just set the single season record for the Texans in terms of stacks, sacks, but again, sacks are such a hard stat to really take a lot from. It's all about pressures at the end of the day. So can they just essentially get pressures on Flacco? We'll see. If anybody can withstand pressure, it's Flacco. He's been there before. He's been hit a million times, and he's a big dude. So he's going to stand in there for a little bit to make sure he gets it off or he'll take a sack. So that is a huge, huge thing for the Texans. But at the end of the day, I think they're the best, one of the best stories of the year. I think D'Amico Ryans has been great. One of those defensive coaches nobody talked about when he got hired in terms of he's going to turn it around right away. So super happy that they turned it around. But I'm going to take the Browns on this when it comes to just team overall experience, the pieces they have, the lack of injuries in key positions, and just fl- they've been there before and the Texans are still figuring out and they're just ahead of schedule. So taking the Browns as a little bit of an upset here over the Texans. Okay, let's wrap this thing up. 
coming up here on 40 minutes. Let's talk about the Steelers versus the Bills. Okay, this will be in Buffalo, and this will be a cold game, but nothing like the Ice Bowl game. But what I did here is it'll be a very windy game up in Buffalo, which is not crazy to hear because it's always insane weather in Buffalo. So this will be the battle of the teams that just find a way to win somehow. That's my first bullet. I don't know how either of these teams made it in the playoffs. If you told me in week 10, they're both going to make it, I'd be like, you're a liar. And now both they're here. That's just what happens with the NFL. It's so weird. I don't, I don't even get it some of the time. So which team do you think has a little more left in the tank to just win another game, whether it's an ugly game, because I think this is going to be an ugly game. So here's my next bullet. Rudolph isn't making mistakes versus Allen playing too risky and making mistakes. It's a battle of the turnovers. So Mason Rudolph has been really smart and controlling the pocket, doing a really good job for a third string quarterback, not making a ton of mistakes. The offense has been really brought in, reeled in, made it very simple. The rush games got a little bit going with Najee Harris and Pickens has been coming alive in terms of an option. So I think if if Rudolph can keep doing that and limit any turnovers, they're going to be able to hang in this game. Right when he gets to turning the ball over, that's when I get worried because guys that are third string, mentally, they're going to crumble a lot faster than a starter who's been around this a long time. Not saying Rudolph will. I'm just saying that's something to look for. Allen, on the other hand, is one of those starters that is not crumbling, even though he just set his own single season record for interceptions thrown in a season. He will throw it at anybody that wants is willing to hear him throw this ball. I don't even know where I was going with that saying, but you know, that's that's how weird it's been to watch Josh Allen this year. Super prone to throwing interceptions, but he can run, he can pass, he can do everything. So it's hard to ever say this guy can't win you a football game. So will he be able to limit <laughs> turnovers, not throw three, tur- three picks in the first half, claw their way back and turn it on in the fourth quarter? As a Bills fan, you're probably praying that doesn't happen. So we're going to fight, figure out who wins a turnover battle, and that could tell us who wins this game overall. Now, my next bullet is both have good defenses, but injuries to Watt for the Steelers versus Bills, who have just had a ton of injuries all year, is going to be a factor. Overall, both of these defenses have still remained strong, but we have not seen the Steelers' defense without TJ Watt yet. And that's just how important he is to their, to their success because he not only is almost leading the league in sacks this year, I'm pretty sure, but pressures overall. When you need that play on third and five on in the red zone or a momentum, a momentum drive, he's always getting a sack. I swear, he always gets the sack. And so that's what you're missing. You're missing that guy that will make Josh Allen pressure and run the ball more. Not that they don't have other pieces that can do that, but that's just how important Watt is. And the Bills have had injuries all year, but I've had time to deal with those injuries and figure out different guys that can fill in different voids, and it's worked for them. They've won every must-need game they've needed to out of the last couple to make it to this position taking down the Dolphins last in their season. So they're coming off of a good victory in terms of a team that they just beat. I think this falls into the favor of the Bills, but you can never write up a Mike Tomlin red run defense. Now, my next bullet is whose weapons do you like more? I think the answer is pretty simple, and I think it really is going to come down to the running backs because they both have number one wide receivers. I'm still taking digs over Pickens, but... When you look at the running backs, you have James Cook versus Najee Harris. 
I'm taking James Cook. He's coming alive under this new offensive scheme they have going here. And if this is going to be a cold, windy game and they have to keep the ball on the ground, I'm taking Josh Allen's legs and I'm taking James Cook's new legs that have just come alive late in the season. I expect a similar style of offensive scheme to that game where they ran for 270 yards with James Cook. Do I think Najee Harris can do it? Of course. Do Has he shown that he can do it? Meh. Has he shown he can do it consistently? Absolutely not. So if it comes down to running the ball, I'm giving the edge to the Bills, and I overall like their weapons across the board better than the Steelers. Now, with those weapons, there's the defensive side of things, and this is my last bullet point. This will be a battle of the D linemen to keep the opposing team under pressure. Like I just said, in playoff games, pressure is key. If you want to win the game, you have to get the ball You have to get the ball out of the QB's hands fast and inaccurate or make them hurry up and take a sack. I think both teams have the ability to get to the middle, especially in the middle of their attack, and get to the quarterback. I think Rudolph won't be able to handle it as well as Josh Allen if the Bills are able to do it, but it's that much that's so important for QB pressures, but also for the running games as well, as I just said, as it could be a very run-heavy game. So you need to be making contact with these running backs at the line of scrimmage you can't be letting them get through to the second line of defense so that kind of wraps up my bills Steelers prediction which then leads me to taking the bills at home for all of the reasons that I just kind of covered and also it's they've just found a way to win so I'm taking the bills in this game as well so let's review the AFC as a whole. We have the number one ranked Ravens. They're on a bye. Don't forget about them. They are the other team I'm the most convinced about on the AFC side. Kind of looking at a Ravens uh, 49ers Super Bowl, in my opinion. But when we go through my predictions, we have Chiefs versus Dolphins. I'm taking the Chiefs at home. We then go over to the Browns versus Texans. I'm taking the Browns as an upset win at, at the, in Houston. And then last, we have the Steelers versus the Bills, like we just talked about, and I'm taking the Bills. So that wraps up my predictions here. I know I said I was going to keep it short, but I promise you when you go and try to listen to your favorite podcast, you're going to see a lot of NFC, AFC wildcard previews split up into multiple different episodes, all way longer than this 45 minutes here. So if you're still listening, shout out to you because you're going to enjoy the games on the weekend. It's going to be fun to talk about them over threads. Shout out Threads. All of you guys are incredible. And shout out Threads, the platform. I don't have a sponsor for this thing, but Lord, they're my sponsor. I love you. I love Threads. I love everything that's going on. If you haven't followed me already, that's where I post all of my quick hitting content, all short form at Griffin underscore proc. And with that, I leave you to a great weekend of football. Cheers, everyone.